You're listening to the Teach Better Talk podcast featuring expert educators eager to share progressive tactics to reach more students. Teach Better Talk is created by teachers and fueled by passion. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 273 of Teach Better Talk podcast. My name is Ray Heward. I am here with Jeff Gargas, and we have something huge happening in a few days that I could not even keep in my excitement. I don't know what to do, Jeff. Help a girl out. Don't keep it in. Let it out. Let's hear it. What's, what is so exciting? I, I, mean, I don't understand. I'm lost. Dude, 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 dude. It's July. My Oh, my birthday's it's coming up. Almost yes, my birthday's coming up soon. In a couple weeks. No, yes. I totally no. I totally understand your your this complete is, excitement over my birthday rate. It makes a lot of sense. Your birthday is not for a while, okay? But this Thank is my birthday month. I'm talking about that makes I that makes sense of why you're so excited right now. I totally get it. No. That's that's no. not why you're What's exciting me? No. <laughs> what's exciting me is that 12 hour live is happening on the 14th guys 12 hours of professional development with incredible people the agenda's been out for a while i know you guys already have on your calendar i don't even care i'm so excited that's all i'm saying that's all i'm saying i'm so excited so someone asked me the other day they said jeff oh yeah are you guys crazy I said, what do you mean? They said, you just go live for 12 hours straight. Like, that seems crazy. I'm like, yeah, no, that's not all that crazy. What's crazy is that we continue to do it. And every time we do it, we're like, hey, let's do that again. Yes. This is the fourth one. This is the fourth one? This is the fourth one. Wow. That's... um, Fourth one. Yeah, I wrote an email out to our network, and I was trying to add up. I'm like, wait, if this is the fourth one, 12 hours each... That is a lot of free it's professional hours development. If I'm doing that doesn't count anything else we correctly. do. Right. I mean, it's crazy that we are doing this again and we have even newer faces. Oh my God, I'm just, I'm overjoyed. I'm so excited. Yeah. So that, of course, is on all of our social media. So it's over on a Facebook page, in the Facebook group, on Twitter, on Twitch, on YouTube. Everything's at Teach Better Team. Uh, Ray already mentioned that, I mean, the gen is out to teachbetter.com. Well, just follow any of those accounts and you're going to see it, right? All the different uh, um, segments we have going on. How many do we have total? Do you know this this time around? Do you have that off the top of your head? I, you know what? I'm looking at the schedule right now because it's marked for 8 a.m. Eastern to 8 p.m. Yes. Eastern. So if I counted up the segments, I could tell you. I will tell you segments are either a half an hour or an hour long depending on the topic. And you not only looking at the agenda can see the time that the topic begins, but also see the guests that will be joining us. These are incredible educators. There are so many people that are going to have their voice shared in this 12-hour segment. I am so excited. Do you have a segment that you're most excited about, Jeff? Otherwise, I could tell you some of the ones that I'm really excited about. I'm particularly excited about the one that you and Katie are doing. I'm just going to leave oh, it at the that. Student okay, I guess you're going to tell them. Yes, I'm no, excited about that because more. there's some cool. Yes, because you guys are bringing like students into it, <laughs> which is really cool. We've never done that before. We are on 12 Hour Live, which is neat. Yeah, two o'clock 
2 o'clock Eastern. It's called Step Into Our Classroom with Conferencing. And Katie Miglin and I will be truly talking through conferencing, and we are welcoming in some incredible students Super to join cool. us. Yeah, I think that's probably... I, 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 I'm not going to lie. I always enjoy kicking it off with you in the morning, and I love like wrapping it up with everyone at the end when we're all like exhausted and we get to reflect on all the awesomeness of it. So... So, but those, that's that one in particular because it's very, it's very, I mean, it's all different stuff, like different topics, different faces, but like that one's just, it's the first time we've done that with the students. So that's super cool. So I'm excited about that. It's going to be good. Yeah. Another one I'm really excited about is at 12 o'clock Eastern. It's called Grading with the Expert. Do you know who's in that segment, Jeff? Any idea? No. Is Chad on that? Do we consider Chad to be? Chad is in that. Do we consider Chad know? to be an expert? Is that a thing that we do now? Chad's an expert, but that's not the expert that we are referring to. Do you know who is joining us to talk about grading do, here at the 12 Hour do Live? Do tell. Oh, come on. Okay. He's really well known. I think I own every book. I studied him throughout my entire educational career. Dave Schmidt? Mr. Wickramelli. <laughs> No. <laughs> yeah, it's it's rich. I cannot believe he's joining us. Yes, it's going to be so fun. That's super cool. Yep. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, that's going to be a some good other time. ones that are worth. Um, yeah, some other ones that are worth diving into is putting gaming into your tool belt with uh, Michael Matera. We also have a grid method mailbag, so your guy, you guys are going to be able to continue to share your questions, and we'll be answering those live about Mastery Classroom. We have a what's hot section. We're going to be talking all about things, hot topics going on in education. And then that's actually going to transition into our tough discussions conversation that I am thrilled that Dave Schmidt, John Billingsley, and Alexa Shepard are going to be talking through all the hard topics that are in schools right now, how we approach them, not only from a teacher's lens, but also an administrative lens. And then we have so many other topics that I haven't even mentioned, like the learning gaps focus. We have two times for massive announcements. Those big announcements will be happening at 11.30 a.m. Eastern and also at 4.30 p.m. Eastern. There is a full day. You guys definitely need the agenda. And, and we're going to be giving stuff away all day long, too. So, like, that's happening as well. So make sure you follow, make sure you're connected to the team, at Teach Better Team on all the different social platforms because it's live everywhere on that, and hopefully you'll – You'll join us and sit. Wait, no, you have something else. The finger's going. I want to make sure that we mention we're doing giveaways different than we've ever done giveaways yes. before. We have more giveaways than ever before, but we're also giving them away in a multitude of ways. So even if you're only joining like by popping into the 12-hour live, um, you could win that way by participating in the comments. We also will have a secretive way that we are not announcing until the day of. But I suggest they pop in a 12-hour live to figure out what the special URL is Ooh, for you secret. to win the other giveaways. There's going to be some good like details. It. That's fun. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's exciting. I'm, I'm pumped for that. So let's let's get in this episode because everyone's got to listen and then get some sleep so that they can stay with us for the full full day and be and have the proper energy so that they can properly – insert the correct number of green hearts into the comments throughout the day to make it the right kind of event. So uh, we're jumping into this kind of this conversation with Howard Blumenthal, who uh, is, we had a good time talking about, him. he's done some really cool stuff. Of, like he's had a really cool career and done a lot of stuff. And, and we didn't jump too far into some of the stuff he's done. Cause he's done a lot of stuff on the media world and TV and stuff. But we, we talked, we focus more on where he's at right now, where his passion is right now. And that is 
some ways that he thinks that education needs to change and some of the ways that he's been researching that and having all these conversations with students all over the, the world, which has been really, really cool. So it was really fun to, to hear his his uh, viewpoint on things and what he's looking at. And there's some some questions he, he proposed and, and ideas that, that I think will really get everyone list, uh, thinking and, and having conversations and stuff. So I'm excited to get into it. Ray, are we good? Can we just go? Yeah, she gives me a thumbs up. I'm good. Let's get into episode 273 with Howard Blumenthal. Hey, what's up, Teach Better family? It's Jeff. I want to ask you a quick question. Are you an entrepreneur that has a side hustle looking to make it a full-time hustle? Are you an entrepreneur that wants to start or grow a side hustle but with no plans to ever leave your school? Are you an entrepreneur with big plans, audacious goals, and a change-the-world vision? Are you an entrepreneur with a thriving business that you just want to take to the next level? If any of these sound like you, you should be into this entrepreneur mastermind that we are launching. So July 19th, we are launching the Entrepreneur Mastermind. This is going to be a weekly meetup, 60-minute meetup on Zoom, but also includes a Voxer group and a private Facebook group for continuing conversations, continuing communication, continuing connection to this group. This is going to become a, a family of yours, a support group where you can come to for support, for feedback, for accountability, and for problem solving. We're going to focus on your individual personalized journey to help you grow something special. Head over to teachbetter.com slash entrepreneur. Get signed up now. Space is limited, and the price is going to go up in the future. So don't waste any time. Get over to teachbetter.com slash entrepreneur. I'll see you there. All right. We're here. We are chatting with Howard. Howard, awesome to have you on the podcast. You and I have chatted a couple times previously, so it's great to get you on the show and kind of dive into uh, your story and your background and everything that you're trying to do with our audience here. So before we dive too far into things, how are you feeling right now? I'm feeling pretty optimistic, uh, and I'm having a ball because I'm meeting all these new people in what for me is a new land. So it's been terrific. Well, Howard, I am so excited that you're here. I cannot wait to dive further into your story and your background. We typically start with that age old question of having you describe all that you do. So do you mind sharing that with us, Howard, kind of answering that question of, hey, Howard, what do you do? <laughs> okay, that's never a simple question or answer for me. Um, so I'll give you a little bit of the sweep. Um, so I came up through um, television, corporate senior vice president work in media companies, uh, creating and producing television shows, writing books, all that. And uh, in about 2017, I started interviewing kids, and uh, we'll talk more about that, kids all over the world. And I began to realize that what school was doing and what these kids were talking about were different. So number one, I... Uh, developed and, and produce and distribute a project called Kids on Earth. The second is in response to COVID and not being able to travel anywhere in the world. Uh, I started a project called Reinventing School that talks to the grownups who are perpetrating the current version of education. Um, and I also just coincidentally uh, just found co-founded uh, the National uh, archives of game show history, which goes back to some of my background and, and early background at the Strong uh, National Museum of Play in Rochester. And we just got an immense amount of press on it. So those are sort of some of the things that I'm doing, but I'm always doing five different things. Always doing five different things. And you've done a lot of things as well in a, in a variety of different uh, areas. So this is this is a particular question that I'm excited to kind of 
get you going on. I'm looking for what the story is. And this is my favorite question that we ask this podcast. And that's a question about failure and how we overcome that, how we learn from that. So can you pull, pull a story out of some of all your experiences of a time you've had a failure that you've had to overcome and kind of take us there with you, share us what happened, how did you overcome that? And then what'd you pull away from that experience? God, you know, in the, in the media business uh, where I come from originally, um, failure is part of it. Like it's just some things work, some things don't. You always kind of meet people along the way. And, um, uh, you know, so you can have the best show idea in the world and you go ahead and you make it beautifully. And then you find out that the other network, there's always another network, put something on competitive and, and tanks your project. So what do you do about that? Well, in the days when I was doing short form, we developed a short form learning network for public television, uh, for PBS stations and the like. And uh, we used to run a uh, five minute program to instruct others about how to make five minute programs. And our favorite was uh, a thing about youth hockey. And the key lesson in there is everybody falls. And the question is, what do you do when you get up? And that is a wonderful measure of character. Um, it gives you the opportunity to be able to help that other person learn what is necessary uh, to do. And it also teaches the player, and I'll put myself in that pile of like, you know what? I'm falling down to, I'm not very good at this. <laughs> I probably shouldn't be playing youth hockey, right? I should probably be doing something else. So yeah, failure lets you, you know, fine tune what you're good at and also recognize that you're not good at everything. Nobody is. I think that's a great message that we, I don't think we talk about enough about like, it's, it's okay to figure out that you're not great at something, right? And then you're not going to be, then maybe they're not even good at something and like, that's not something that you should be doing and pursuing. And that's okay. Like, that's great when you can figure that out and have that self-awareness so that you can focus on what you're good at and double down on those things. I think that's such a great way and such a great thing to pull out of a, a failure or a struggle is, is to, to learn that about yourself. So I have I another, flip I have another oh, go, of those go. stories for you for a second. Sure, I decided yes, that the staff decided that I should direct the next episode of whatever it was. So I sat in the director's chair, television control room, three, four cameras, audio cues, all that. And I tried really hard. I'm a good producer, but the directing is a little bit too close to actually doing work. Um, so I kind of tried hard to keep up, but the camera people and the, the technical director, the switcher kind of kept me going. And then they stopped and the screens went blank. And I'm looking at everybody going, what happened? And they're like, well, that's your job, dude. You're supposed to tell us what you're supposed to do next. <laughs> I'm like, that's not a good job for me. Screen went blank. That's funny. Yeah. Um, so so can, let, let's flip it out. Let's talk about a time, a successful moment you had. So sort of same thing. Take us there with you. What happened? Why was it a success for you? And then what would you pull away from that experience? The, the success is always, is it, number one, is it a reasonably good idea? Number two, do you have a reasonable amount of support? And number three, can you surround yourself with people who make you laugh, who are much smarter than you are? So those seem to be the ingredients that follow uh, almost every successful project. Um, the specific success, I probably the biggest success I had was, or I've had so far, uh, was creating and producing the PBS series Where in the World is Carmen San Diego. And the way that happened was I, I kind of asked the kids what they wanted me to put on TV and I conspired with them, that, hundreds and hundreds of them, saying, I have three and a half million dollars. 
I have a time slot on national television every day, five days a week. And I want to do things that you would find interesting that you'd actually want to watch. So what do you want to do? And we just started from scratch. It has to be funny. You have to have cartoon characters, have to have music, have to have this. And I'm just making a list of the things they wanted. And then um, I would keep pushing the staff towards, no, no, no. This is what the kids said they wanted. We have to do what the kids said they wanted. And we did, and they loved it. So to me, this isn't that complicated. Make sure that you know your audience and make sure that you listen to them. We don't do that well at school at all. Well, it's so funny. You mentioned that I was right as you were finishing that last sentence. I'm like, oh, we don't do that well enough. And you're like, hey, we don't do that well enough. It's so true. And it's not only in school, but in life, we just need to constantly be listening. So I think that's so important, Howard. You know, as it goes, as it goes with how much you're involved in your background, what you're continuing to do, what do you think really keeps you excited in your work? Kind of keeps you moving and grooving. Talking to kids. Straightforward, simple. Um, it's odd to now be one of the older people in the room, but to know more about the 10-year-olds than the people who should, right? And the reason is because I ask them questions. I mean, I'll just sit down for you know an hour and say, so what do you think about you know fill in the blank? And I'll get a very good explanation about why we should or shouldn't colonize Mars or even go there whether we should be thinking about robotics as a replacement for work, as an enhancement to work. What does the workplace look like in the future? And, you know, you learn a lot by talking to an 11-year-old. You learn even more by talking to 20 or 30 11-year-olds in different countries. And um, the picture that I get from them registers far more precisely with what I believe the future is than anything that I'm sensing within the the, the world of education, school, and the like. Um, so I think we have to bridge that gap. It's a mighty gap. And if we don't do it, we get into serious, serious trouble. Hmm. So what's your one piece of advice for teachers? I mean, it might be related to that, or it could be related to anything you've touched on or, or care to top on, t- touch on in this podcast episode. But if you had to identify kind of that, that one piece, that one piece of advice that you would want every educator to consider, what would that be? All right. Well, educators includes more than teachers. So let me let me focus on teachers initially, and then we can widen it. It's not going to be the curriculum that your students will remember. It will be you that they remember. And the activities and their trust in you and your trust in them. So in many ways, the curriculum is an invitation to do very ordinary things in very ordinary ways. And it's just not the way people learn. It's certainly not the way 21st century kids learn because they have a lot of options. Uh, This needs to change. And it can't, unfortunately, begin with the teacher because the teacher is bound by rules. So if we widen that scope, who is an educator? And unfortunately, you can't really change it at the principal level. You can't really change it at the district level. You can't really change it at the state commissioner level. So nobody takes responsibility for the change. And that points me back towards, hey, kids, you're on your own. So use that internet, use every available resource, rely on the teachers, and and try to free the teachers from the ridiculous system that, that they're now stuck in. 
Was that too so, radical for this podcast? No, not- no, it was good. It was, um, I was just, I was taking a minute. Uh, and if I can be completely transparent, I started to speak without hitting unmute. Um, so, but I wanted to ask a question. You, you mentioned a few times about all these conversations that you're having with, with kids. Um, I know there's a few people probably listening and wondering, where are you having all these conversations? How are you having all these conversations? Obviously, like they, you know, teachers can have them in the classroom and stuff, but you've mentioned that, you know, you're not necessarily in a classroom. So you're having these conversations. At one point you mentioned from all around the world. Tell us about that. You're, you're kind of how you went about, how are you having all these conversations? How are you gathering yeah. all these different uh, voices and stuff? Cause it, it's really powerful. So can you can break down like how that's worked for you and how you've done that? Yeah. It's a, it, so the project is called kids on earth. And the best way to understand it is to actually watch. If you go visit, www.kidsonearth.org, you'll see access to uh, almost a thousand interview segments. So here's the process. Number one, um, ignoring for the moment getting started, but here's how the process works. I make a friend in a place like Northern Bulgaria. Uh, That may be through a friend of a friend or similar. Uh, I get in a plane. Um, There's a hotel I charge all my little batteries and all everything, every piece of equipment fits on my shoulder. So it's a very, very small setup. Uh, the next morning I am in a school, uh, school library prearranged. I own the library for that day. There's two chairs, basically one for me and one for the kid. Um, and we start at nine o'clock after kind of putting some background stuff up to make the background look interesting. We usually raid the school from eight to nine and find globes and other interesting things to put in behind them. We light it a bit, but nothing fancy at all. Um, most of it is reflected light from windows. Kid sits down. Um, I take a production slate, you know, a, a clapboard, put it in front of them. And uh, I make sure their name is spelled correctly. The place is spelled is, is right and all that. And then I look at them in the eye. I say, so um, what's your name and how'd you get that name? And That tells me a few things. First, it tells me how nervous they are because we're going to be talking for a half hour. So if they're kicking their feet, if they're not looking to camera, if they're, you know, doing any number of different things, I have to calm them down. I do that by, by laughing together most often. So we want to build a relationship. We want to trust one another. We don't have a lot of time, but we want to have some fun together because if it's not fun, the kid is going to have absolutely no interest in doing this. So, so Howard, I hope you can dive. I'm wondering if you can dive a little bit into these conversations. You talk about all these different conversations you have with students all over the world. Um, I'd love to hear, and you kind of talked about like a common theme of this disconnect, but I wonder if you can get more specific into like the common themes that you pulled from all these different conversations with students from all over the place. What were the, what was the most common theme that you pulled out from those conversations? All right. So this is a project called Kids on Earth. And the easiest way to, to understand it is to, to actually go to www.kidsonearth.org and you'll see almost a thousand indiv- individual interviews. So I go in really just asking what the kids, asking the, the kid, what is your name? Kids nine to 14 roughly. And where does the name come from? And that tells me a lot because it tells me whether or not the, there's an emphasis within the community on the kids understanding their own identity. They understand where they come from. They know why they're called what they're called. That's a really important indicator. It tells me that the school cares about the community and the community is connected to the school. First step. Second step, 
are the kids connected to any form of practical reality? I would like to be an astronaut. Okay, do you know what's involved in that? Yeah, I do. So I'm in India, and there's this organization called ISRO, and we launch, um, you know, and we're actually working on uh, interplanetary travel, and here's the path, and I need to go to this college. I'm like, great. So most kids can identify who they are and can identify their path. So they are comfortable with their own skin, in their own skin. They're also comfortable with being future-minded. They have direction. They know where they need to go. Now, the problem is every kid goes in their own direction, but school tends to want people to go in the direction that it is designed to, you know, to move them towards. So everybody learns math, everybody learns science, everybody learns these subjects, whether or not they're relevant to the path of the kid, even at nine and 10 years old, already is finding his or her or their way onto. So that's the disconnect. We're generating kids who can think on their own. We're encouraging them to do it. We're providing some scaffolding for it. And yet school's not designed for the purposes they now need in the 21st century. And I, and I, it, it's clear to me in almost every interview I do that there's a lot more happening in the kids' heads than school allows them to pursue. So what's the solution there? How do, how do we, how do we be, even begin to, obviously it's a long solution and a, and a complicated one, but how do we even start to do that? I actually don't think it's that complicated. I think that we have to recognize that we are living and working in the 21st century and that this century is different from the previous century. So in the previous century, we wanted lots and lots of people to learn mostly similar things in mostly similar ways. But that was before identity. It was before telling kids you can do whatever you want to. It's before showing them the world. It's before cable television. It's before all of the you know cell phones and everything else and YouTube, et cetera. So now we need to provide kids with a path so they can find their own direction. And that means massive amounts of individual learning after some basic skills are learned. And we have to support that individual learning on a massive scale. And I'm talking about 2 billion kids. This is not a small project. We need to recognize that the world has changed. We need to develop professional development programs for teachers. Some will fall away. Many more will come in. We need to strengthen um, the ties to the community because we'll find many of the educators are actually living nearby or available by, by the internet. So if I'm particularly interested in a very specific uh, domain, I'm very interested in Vikings and how the Viking ships worked. Well, I've now identified five or six people for another project um, who know that stuff. But they're not across the street from me. And it doesn't matter because I can have a conversation with them via the internet. We haven't figured out how to manage that process yet, but we know that that's what kids want to do because they want to find their own way in the world and we're encouraging them to do it. And by the way, the job market is going to require that. We're so far out of date in the way we connect school with uh, uh, the job market of 2030, 2040. Kids know that. But the educators are very slow on the draw. We need to change that. So it's a, it's a re-education process to understand the depth of the problem of maintaining the status quo and how we're ultimately poorly equipping the students that we think we're equipping well. It needs to change, and it needs to be changing now. This isn't a future thing. 
Mm, I love the breakdown uh, and appreciate the work that you're doing there. Uh, so to make sure you guys check out in the show notes so you can go check out the, uh, the, the projects that, uh, that we have, that he has going on over there. So, so let's dive into um, the six questions. We're going to do this. This is going to be kind of like putting you to the test here. I'm going to throw six questions at you. Your goals answer each one of 15 seconds or less. Are you ready? Yes. All right. Give us one tech tool that you cannot live without. My computer. Uh, what's a good book re- you're reading right now? I thought there was supposed to be three in the in the prep that said three. You can uh, give up the three. If you got three, right, you us, got we will right. always one say is called three, yes. Appalachia, A History by John Alexander Williams. Really good read about a big chunk of the United States that a lot of people don't know very much about. Um, new book called A Community History of African America. The, the big title is 400 Souls. And it is a community telling of the African-American experience in the United States from 1619 to 2019. And then I started reading yesterday a book called Paris to the Past, Traveling Through French History by Train. The interesting thing is the author. Her name is Ina Caro. She is the wife of Robert Caro, who's well known for writing The Power Broker and uh, a series of books about LBJ. Um, And she takes history chronologically but does it by subway in Paris. So she just says, take this train and you'll be um, you know, in this era. And then tomorrow, take this train and you'll be in a different era. And right now we're exploring a few different uh, churches. And I just learned where stained glass windows came from. Very cool. All right. So those uh, are give three us, reads right now. Who do we need to follow on Twitter or Instagram today? You can give us up to three here as well. I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. Uh, uh, who do we need to follow on either Twitter or Instagram today? You can give us up to three on this as well. Oh, I actually, I, I wish I could say I do more of that. I don't, I read books. Um, I listen to podcasts. Uh, I like guy Kawasaki's remarkable people. I, I learned quite a bit about that. And in fact, Joe Bowler was on there recently, uh, was on there recently and we're talking tomorrow. Um, and I would say Alex Ross, who writes about music, contemporary and classical music for The New Yorker, and he has a terrific blog. Um, but I, it's, this is not a really important part of my life. I think gotcha. it's a little okay. on the overrated side. It, okay. it kind of leads, leads into, though, the next question, which is a good YouTube channel, website, or podcast for educators to check out. You just named two. You named a blog and a, and a podcast there. What a what are the other two? What's a, what's a good YouTube channel or a website or a podcast that educators uh, should, should go check out today? Whatever you're interested in. I don't think that edu- – just like I don't think media is a field of study, I'm not sure education is either. Sorry. So if you're interested in Viking ships, go check out Viking ships. It's really exciting. It's really fascinating. But the idea of actually studying education – feels like one step off what we should be studying. Give us a interesting. Daily... I think that, that ahead, perspective is, I think that perspective, I think that answer is going to hit our listeners. Interesting to be honest, Howard, I, I think that, I don't know if you mean it this way, but I think education continues to evolve to be more about the study of humans, the study of learning, the, the brain science, the ability to explore Um, so I, I think that, you know, like there's so many different perspectives of what you just shared, but I, I would challenge everybody to continue to think through kind of that, that idea. Um, interesting. I don't know that we've had anybody phrase it that way. It's funny because the, um, you know, when I look at 
learning in particular. I get uncomfortable with the idea of school because it feels like institutionalized learning. And I get concerned about education because it feels like institutionalized school. I go back to learning and what you're interested in, you should learn more about. And everybody's interested in something different. So if we could help people get there, that probably makes the whole process a lot more satisfying. Certainly stops the kid drooling at his desk from boredom. Yeah, I think that that your your mindset and drive to change from the institutionalized traditional classroom into a more progressive mindset is spot on, Howard. Well, or we're both wrong. We're allowed to be wrong too. And then we'll try something else. But this sounds like a much more rational way to do it than the way we do it now. I love it. So give us a, a daily, weekly, or monthly routine every uh, teacher, really everyone, should, should consider getting into. Um, you don't get better at stuff unless you practice. Uh, I've been learning watercolors for about 20 years, drawing, all that. So there's really only one way to do that. You actually have to do it every day, every week, all that, right? As much time as you can possibly put into it. So what's the daily routine? Find the one thing that you really care about and spend as much time as possible. And that is the majority of your time on that subject every day. Start out in the morning and try to figure out what matters. And also try to figure out what doesn't and then try to spend as little time as possible dealing with what doesn't. We spend a lot of time dealing with stuff that ma- that doesn't matter to me, but it seems to matter to somebody else. It doesn't really help me. I'm really interested in how cognitive science affects learning and how memory jumps from short-term memory to long-term memory and how we stimulate that and the use of play within that domain. Um and I want to know more about that. So what do I do? I find experts to talk to all the time. And some of them end up on the Reinventing School series that I do. Uh, and some of them, we just have a nice conversation. And then if I'm a little bored, I find out that uh, I read something in a book uh, two weeks ago about Lewiston, Maine, where Somali refugees have rebuilt a tired old New England city. I talking to the uh, superintendent of schools there. We're planning to spend some time not only with the kids and the storekeepers, but also with the, um, uh, with the mayor and the like to really understand what's happening to rural and smaller city America uh, as a result of African uh, uh, migration. So, you know, that wind yourself up. That'll keep me busy for a good long time and I'll learn a lot and I'll tell other people about it. Love it. And then finally, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Shut up and listen. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I love it. Simple Howard, I want to make sure it. our I love it. I want to make sure our listeners can stay connected to you and continue to think through all the incredible information you shared. Would you mind sharing with us how they can stay connected? Yeah, best thing to do is uh www. H. Blumenthal, that's H-B-L-U-M-E-N-T-H-A-L.com. And there's a little bit of uh, information about some of the projects we've talked about, and there's a contact form there. So anybody who wants to find me, you can do that. But I'm all kind of all over the web. I'm pretty public. So um, you know, if you want to find me, typically you can find me. I love it. You, know, you can find all the links and everything we talked about in this episode over at teachbetter.com as well as the links to make sure you can connect with Howard and keep the conversation going. So head over to teachbetter.com for all of that. Be sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. And if you can give us a rating and a review, we'd really appreciate that as well. 
let's uh, keep taking this one step further. Think of just three of your colleagues who need to hear these amazing stories and connect with these amazing people and just share this podcast with them. Howard, this was fantastic, man. I love your your perspective on things and, and what you're trying to do and, and the way in which you're trying to do it. And just really appreciate you uh, coming on, taking some time out of your day and, and hanging out with us and, and sharing your story, man. Thank you. Sure. My pleasure. And we have some other conversations we'll continue as well, I hope. And until next time, let's get out there and let's teach better.